0: to the pharmacy podcast network please hold for a very important message one two three four
1: hi this is dr lisa faust with diversify rx and up next on this week in pharmacy this week in pharmacy we're talking about the impact of artificial intelligence and how that's going to change things in the ability to use AI in pharmacy care and follow up in treatment decision making. We're gonna be talking about a group of extremely intelligent people that know how to structure building AI infrastructure out of Israel, wait till you hear this uh, interview, um, all about how AI is going to be positioned differently in the next two to five years for clinicians specifically. You gotta listen to this episode. I have a lot of questions and we uh, are very thankful for our uh, partnership with uh fin partners that brings us some amazing organizations uh tied into uh what's happening in the innovation of healthcare and specifically in this case artificial intelligence i want to introduce maddie gill with aeon labs to our listeners maddie it is wonderful to have you here today so let's get the listeners up to date let's talk about aeon labs uh the the beginning of this organization. Uh, the keys to drug discovery and the challenges that pharma companies uh, are currently facing. I think AI is going to play a huge role in what's going to come out of um, strategy and medication adherence and follow up and even REMS reporting. When I think of some specialty rare diseases, but let's get into your background first, so the so the listeners know who you are and a little bit about Aon Labs.
0: Sure. So uh, thank you again, Todd, and it's really an honor to be able to uh, meet your listeners virtually. Um, But I have a lot of respect for the community there uh, and a lot of uh, background working with them. Uh, As you mentioned, my name is Mati, originally born in Ohio in the United States, grew up there and then moved to Israel uh, quite some time ago where I've built my career and have worked in the pharmaceutical sector for nearly a decade and a half. Uh, most of the time at Teva Pharmaceuticals, the largest provider of medicines by quantity in the United States, where around, you know, as your listeners know more, probably just as well as anyone else, if not better, uh, that about 200 million people uh, take, uh, 200 million people around the globe take a uh, Teva medicine every single day. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's really the largest providers of medicines. And I had the honor of being able to work there for a little over a decade in various roles in management and in the United States. And ultimately that led me to a place where we built this partnership with other competitors and with new types of partners uh, to try to bring cutting edge artificial intelligence and machine learning technology uh, into drug discovery and development, understanding that there's an untapped potential there to be able to really impact the way we're able to bring new, new hope to patients and to be able to bring uh, bring new insights into diseases and make more medicines available to more patients uh, for less cash uh, around the world. And that's what brought us together. We did it in Israel for various reasons. Happy to go into that. And we're building startups that are going to help bring technology into our field. That's very exciting. And I decided to make it my next career move and just throw my head in the ring and contend to be the CEO and thankfully I was chosen.
1: Thank you for uh, that opening. I find it uh, mind-blowing to me the terabits of data that are being pulled out of the healthcare sector and um, how that will continue to accelerate. And to me, understanding data workflow, data patterns, data usage, especially in digging into uh, keeping people adherent, uh, understanding um, a titration situation where you're going from one level dose to the another level dose. And when I think of uh, millions and millions and millions of, of, of data that are out there to make it make better sense and giving our providers more, more, um, light in, in front of the treatment, almost as a predict, a prediction of how this treatment is going so that we can make pivotal, um, moves along the way, customizing a treatment, um, for someone that is, uh, seriously going through a cancer or, or some chronic, uh, disease. So the potential for AI, um, for drug specificity and and focusing in on what a drug is intended to do by design that's exciting to me because i can see how that will continue to be leveraged um, for our uh, pharmacist researchers um, we're talking about uh, people that dive into epidemiology and understanding how um uh, that future vaccines are going to be designed so talk to us about the potential for ai in drug discovery and development.
0: So I think in order to talk about the potential for where big data, artificial intelligence, and machine learning can affect drug discovery and development, we need to first start with the problem, right? Any good entrepreneur starts with the problem. And, and the problem statement in our industry is that we are probably, you know, it starts with the fact that we're probably one of the last industries in the world to really undergo a digital revolution in the way that we work. Uh, we're, highly, we're a highly regulated industry, a very conservative industry of companies that mostly have been around for hundreds of years that developed these drugs and done it um, for the last few decades, pretty much in the same way. And that's all because we're highly regulated and we're conservative because, and there's a good reason for that, uh, because we are taking drugs and there's a tremendous responsibility around everyone that's in this industry, whether you're on the development side or the pharmacy management side, there's a huge responsibility because we're talking about people's health and, and wellness and livelihoods uh, and and the way that they live. So we all take that burden and uh, very seriously. And when you're going to change the way that we're doing that by bringing in new technologies, you have to do it in a very careful and conservative manner. Um, that being said, as you mentioned, Todd, there is a potential, and we know that there is a potential for that. And the potential is in the fact that currently our drug discovery and development industry, while it does miracles, it's highly inefficient. And we all know the statistics that it takes billions of dollars to develop a new drug It takes well over a decade, and once you develop the concept of a new drug and try to put it into tests and first in human, from that period, there's only a 10% chance of success of actually bringing a drug all the way through trials uh, to the FDA approval and actually bring it to patients so that they can actually... Uh, be healed or uh, or treated with it. So there is a lot of potential to treat new diseases, new ways, and to bring new, new drugs to the market and to also do it in a faster and cheaper manner and to save lives, which is why we're in the industry that we're in. And to be able to change that equation by doing it faster, cheaper, more efficiently, and bringing new drugs to market, there has to be a way to do it with Bringing in technology that is revolutionizing everything around the way that we live, work, and and uh, conduct our lives, and that ha- there has to be a way to bring that into pharma, but it's it's not easy because the pharma industry again, they know what the challenges are that need to be solved, they know where the opportunities are, uh, they have the data that's most important for an AI model to be trained on, and it's usually proprietary data. It's not always well organized and within a pharma company. And then you need to make that available for entrepreneurs and then to be able to test out whether an uh, actual uh, technology works, to be able to test it, validate, and then implement it into processes. And the most cutting edge AI is usually not coming from within the pharma companies. It's coming from outside, either from academia or from startups and you know, brilliant people that might not even have a background in biology. But can bring in these AI technologies, so that's what led us at Ion Labs to say, you know what, let's let's try to do things differently. So let's try to build a model where we can create startups that are using the most cutting-edge AI approaches, but in partnership and in a co-development model with pharma R&D partners. That will work hand in hand with them identify the biggest challenges make their data available help them to develop their help them to develop their their algorithms and their technologies and then to be able to test them out whether or not they actually work so that we're not just dealing in hype we're actually dealing with technologies that are validated that can actually work and then to be able to help build business models around that and bring these startups to a place where they can raise next rounds and then go on to help bring new new uh, help for patients. So ultimately, we will be tested on uh, whether or not we're able to shorten that time period from the lab to the bedside, and whether or not we're able to bring down the prices of drugs because we're going to fail less than the 90% failure rate. Uh, Because right now, we are all paying for the huge failure rate of the Mm -hmm. industry because we want the industry to innovate and to continue to take risks
1: i have to ask you a question from a lay person that really doesn't understand ai and that is the hypothetical model in order to take all of the data and the outcome of something that was biologic and it was like real and you measured it and you mapped it and you knew exactly what happened based on the, I don't know, changing of a protein or a molecule reacting to a medication and then capturing that and putting it into a a, a data lab environment to uh, pretend it happened over again. So you can test it over and over and over again based on molecule outcome, based on whatever next is happening tell tell our listeners how it's actually happening in the lab where it's not is it is it based on hypothetical data models to be able to have all of the data from a real test that took place maybe a previous week and now you're using an artificial intelligence environment to replicate to try to come out with either the same outcome or a slightly different outcome based on the data changes so can you describe that to to our listeners
0: so yes so it's not it's not a one size fit all uh but as a um as an amateur as you said i think you're doing pretty well you you have a pretty strong understanding of the domain i'd have to say that Uh, but it's not a one size fit all approach what we do is we start always by saying what is the challenge what is the way that we are working now that can dramatically change to either gain new insights into new uh, into new diseases that we don't understand currently at the moment, or how do we bring, how do we develop a new uh, antibody in a process that currently takes us years to do? How do we do that in a matter of weeks or even days in a much more precise manner and cheaper manner uh, as such? And then how do we improve our chances of success during clinical phases? And for each one of these challenges, you need a different type of data set. So sometimes you will need preclinical data, and then that has its own integration, uh, its its own integration uh, challenges. And there isn't necessarily in every case a lot of publicly available data or even privately readily available data. Um, and in some type cases, you'll need clinical data of actual real world tests. Uh, from the clinical stages, it really matters about which challenge you're trying to overcome. And then you need to go deep and and find whether or not the data is available, where it's actually available from, how you're going to be able to gain access to it, and then bring in very smart people that will develop the right technological approach for how to do such. Uh, But we've seen that we're able to do new things from outside of our industry. You know, ChatGPT showed us a lot of what we can do uh, that we never thought was available before 2023. And we're trying to do those kind of things in the pharma industry as well, again, in a very conservative industry, but trying to bring that mindset into it and connect biology to mathematics.
1: Let's talk about some of the examples, the, the founding Aon Labs mission, um, your end goal and the role with some of the pharma companies who are extremely interested not only in the technology, but your partnership. So definitely share that with our listener. Sure.
0: So Ion Labs was established uh, by chance at the height of COVID, which was actually uh, a time that we could all get together and have discussions about really how do we bring breakthrough technologies to the market because we had a real-life example all around us for that when you do so, you can really save people's lives, um, if not even more so than that. And we agreed on this partnership and this model of working um, that really has three pillars. It's number one, uh, how do we define big challenges that are very crisp in a manner that if they are solved, they will be the basis of a breakthrough technology, but also a good business in that sense, and a good startup that can go on and grow. And then secondly, how do we find the right Uh, solutions and scientists, founders that can solve these big challenges and run a competitive process so that we're actually selecting the right people with the right approach to solve these challenges, to develop a technology with and to co-develop with them and the people, the type of people that we want to work with as well. And then third is how do we provide them then with the best environment for them to be able to succeed? So access to the expertise and the resources of pharma industry uh, the right type of investors that can help them build a business model and be attractive for continuous funding, as well as uh, the mentorship, the hands-on mentorship uh, that we provide here at in Labs, uh, together with the infrastructure necessary to be able to develop a technology and prove that it actually works. That's what we decided to put together. When I say we, it's a group of four pharma companies, so AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Merck out of Germany, and Teva out of Israel those four companies together with Amazon Web Services coming in with the, com- with the cloud technology uh, capabilities in computational biology, and then two venture capital firms based out of Israel, one that specializes in biotech companies called the Israel Biotech Fund, and the other that developed, that is specializing in deep tech technologies uh, called Amiti Ventures. And we decided to operate in a model that we uh, adapted, uh, with our strategic partners from Germany that they've been doing this for over 10 years called BiomedX, where really what they do is um, is they develop these groundbreaking research groups that address big challenges in the pharma industry. There, they do it in deep biology and in research. Here, we're doing it in AI, with a strong AI and machine learning focus and uh, with multiple pharma partners to develop new startups and Uh, We launched this a little over a year and a half ago, and since then, we've been able to establish six new companies in our venture studio, Uh, one by one, different uh, phases of their establishment. Our seventh, we will choose tomorrow or next Hmm. week, actually. Um, We're going to be choosing them next week. That'll be an AI for small molecule discovery. And we've seen founders come from all over the world and very diverse set of backgrounds. Uh, both from high tech and biotech, and biology and structural biology, astrophysics, uh, coming with different type of approaches for how to tackle these challenges, as well as from a diverse set of backgrounds uh, uh, and geographies.
1: Hey, let's take a quick break so we can bring you some news this week in farms. Lots going on. Uh, there was a news out of NBC. Online pharmacy programs can save patients millions in prescription drug costs. A study finds. It said one out of five prescriptions were cheaper through Amazon Pharmacy or GoodRx discount uh, card programs. This is the type of news story that I wonder what's behind it because I think we all know in pharmacy, it's it's the it's the initial touching it, connection with your patients and in setting up what's next. So refilling through online pharmacy or something, I guess maybe that's part of the data about this um, about this um, article, um, which was just pub- published just this week um, by um, and NBC uh, News. But I, what I'm trying to say is online pharmacies have their place, but we know that that isn't driving clinical follow-up, it's not driving therapy abilities through pharmacists. Just wanted to give a shout-out, uh, read that article, um, let us know what your opinion is uh, of, of who's behind that. Is that a lobbying organization, PCMA, or whatever, in order to make it seem like, hey, this is in the best interest of, of public health from a cost perspective? We know that's not the case. An article uh, from the the Los Angeles Times just published this week, which was titled "California Pharmacies Are Making Millions of Mistakes," they're fighting to keep that a secret. And once again, it's, it's journalism needs to be entertaining. I know they're they're trying to write a shocking opening to this piece uh, that drives down into the bottlenecks that our pharmacists in chain pharmacy are facing. We know that that uh, changes are coming. We know that organizations like Pizza is Not Working and Bled Tanoe, and, um and you want shots with that. All of these developers of content, developers telling the public the truth from the perspective of the pharmacist and what the pharmacist does to keep the public health. I want you to look into this article as well um, but just be aware, um, because it wasn't the the it it was it was a batch of articles that are coming out just in the last seven days, that are all about errors that pharmacies are making. And once again, what is this about? Why are we, you know, we know this data of how many errors there's to be made. It just seems that it's being dramatized. Out of New York Post, just published this week, deadly pharmacy errors amount as companies push quotas. Uh, Limit staff, it says, uh, a quote from a pharmacist, I am a danger to the public. So dramatization a little bit, even though we know that these errors are happening, we know that there's dangerous uh, conditions for our pharmacists, but are we placing the light on the component of health and changing healthcare and changing pharmacy care that really needs the most evaluation and scrutiny, which is our payment systems? And I know that's for another This Week in Pharmacy podcast, but just want to bring your attention to those three articles and understanding you have an opportunity to post those articles on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on your Twitter, on your Instagram, and give commentary from the, from the, the, the trenches, from you listening right now, you the pharmacist, you the pharmacy technician, take part in what's happening in our industry just by being a conduit of what's really happening in pharmacy. And if there's articles you you completely agree with, um, educate the public as so. But I think we can take uh, control of a lot of this narrative. So I think of uh, our partnership with the NASP, that stands for the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies. Where um there's a lot more talk about artificial intelligence and drug development, clinical trials, and then of course the treatment itself and and how it may be used. And my imagination can run wild as you're talking. So I I love this. But let's give uh the listeners some uniqueness of the Aeons, um, Aeon Labs model um as that venture uh, studio, as as the 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 basics that you're giving to these organizations as a starting point, a common denominator to get to the next level much faster than having to always start at level zero and having to build up. It sounds as if Aon uh, is is developing this infrastructure that we can immediately begin uh, research uh, through the algorithms and models that you've designed. So share that with our listener.
0: Sure. So what we aspire to be is a venture studio that provides the best possible environment for a startup entrepreneur to be able to actually succeed in growing their company and be successful. We are operating in an industry, again, where you know your listeners, I'm sure, as well as pharma executives from all over the world, see pitches from startups uh, day in, day out about how if their data is just made available to the startup, they'll be able to bring them the moon and the stars and everything in between and promise them the world. And in most cases, when you talk about that phenomenon with executives, they will nod their head and laugh uh, because they identify with that phenomenon of being disappointed uh, with the results that they've seen of these types of technological developments. So what we say as Ion Labs is, instead of developing some black box, that you're going to create a lot of promise behind but has so far in most cases not all cases been somewhat disappointing in the results let's try to develop the trust in that technology by developing that together from day one Mm -hmm. and so just to give an example if you know your listeners you were talking about uh clinical outcomes and clinical trials So again, if we say that there is a 90% chance you're going to fail, but in in the process of bringing a drug candidate to the market through clinical trials, then how do we use data to be able to improve that chance of success? Because if we're able to learn from historical failure rates or success rates in clinical trials, What can we do to improve the chances of success of a drug candidate in the clinical trials by picking the right type of patients, by administering the right type of dosages, um, and by running a a trial in a much more precise manner? Uh, Now, I don't know how to do that, right? I'm not a brilliant AI wizard, but there are people out there that do. And there are people that know how to run clinical trials in a very in a very professional manner and those aren't necessarily the same type of people. Mm-hmm. So what we try to do at ion labs is to be a convening place where we can bring them together and we can identify the right type of talents and we can bring the pharma domain expertise together so that if we work together, we have a better chance of succeeding and actually bringing a, a very good product to market than if we each work each work separately. And that's what we're doing. At Ion Labs. So when a startup actually comes with great AI technologies, they get to work with a set of 5 to 10 to 15 pharma experts on a regular basis and have access to their knowledge and experience, as well as to the other wealth of resources that pharma R&D can offer a startup uh, to be able to help develop the technology and prove that it works.
1: My colleagues uh, that I work with to stay ahead of uh, breaking news, as well as some really interesting companies in health uh, that are pushing innovation, um, that partnership with Finn Partners has has educated me around the innovation coming out of Israel, and I didn't know that, and I'm not even sure if our healthcare industry realizes the power and the the coming together of so many different organizations in Israel. So talk to us about the benefit of basing uh, Aon Labs in Israel.
0: Yeah, so you're, you're not unique in the fact that you're surprised that four pharma companies and Amazon and two VCs decided to establish such an entity in Israel. Israel is not known for its innovation in the pharma sector. Uh, we are very well known about our innovation economy in the cyber te- in the cyber uh, sector, as well as in the financial sector and and chips manufacturing, and even in automobiles. Uh, AI for autonomous vehicles uh, to make our vehicles more sustainable, faster, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in the pharma sector, we haven't been as well known because we haven't necessarily been a, p- a competitive powerhouse. Um, ecosystem in the past. And I say that despite the fact that we have an ex- all the ingredients necessary to build a good ecosystem here, we have a great healthcare system with digitalized data going back decades. And we also have great human capital and talents, uh, both in the life sciences sector as well as in the AI sector. And uh, we have the government that's very committed uh, at many different levels to help to incentivize this sector and, um, and to be able to grow it. Uh, yet despite all that, uh, Israel has not been known uh, as a pharmaceutical powerhouse. We have one amazing company that was built out of Israel and based on Israeli science, which is seven pharmaceuticals. Uh, but other than that, you don't have a whole cluster of startups that went on and grew to be mid midsize or larger companies with Thousands of employees each drugs that have been approved by the FDA, because in most cases, groundbreaking IP that was developed in the farm sector in Israel was then taken outside of Israel by large pharmaceutical companies that scouted for great patents and then developed those drugs outside of Israel. And seven out of nine blockbuster drugs that were developed based upon Israeli IP were developed outside of Israel. Hmm. Uh, The other two were bought by Teva and developed in Israel. So uh, you're not alone in being surprised. That's a long answer to why it's surprising for you. Now, why did our group of partners decide to establish this in Israel despite that? Because where the future of our industry is headed is an area that Israel has a unique positioning to be strong in, is that Israel has amazing capabilities that were built on many different infrastructures of know-how in the machine learning and artificial intelligence sectors and we've been able to take those type of machine learning and artificial intelligence ai computational technologies into pretty much every sector of every way of life from sports tech to prop tech to fintech to cyber and auto tech uh, besides and even in digital health and medical devices besides the pharma the pharma sector the drug discovery and development sector But now when our field of biotech is placing an increasingly important um, part of the equation on the tech side rather than the biotech side to help even those out on the tech versus bio, uh, that's where Israel can actually play a role and be one of the competitive ecosystems at a global scale. And so our pharma partners saw this as an opportunity those that have worked in israel for a little while from the r d from the global r d's have seen where israeli ingenuity can actually help uh, to propel our industry forward and so they saw this as an opportunity but they also saw it as an opportunity to work together amongst themselves and to say okay let's not do this each one on our own let's tap into israel as a collective risk sharing platform So that we can make that much more of a propelling offer to our startups that we bring in and help to uh, help to build and tap into the really clever Israeli uh, AI capabilities that exist here, including bringing entrepreneurs into our industry that came with zero background in pharmaceutical development.
1: If the listeners want to follow up, it will be in the show notes as well as a LinkedIn uh, link uh, to Maddie. I'm excited that you were able to to do this interview, but we get interested in very specific disease states and conditions, and what's going to come from Aon Labs is is quite exciting. Uh, Aonlabs.com. That's a i o n labs.com uh, is the website what is next um on your on your uh, docket and research because I read a um an article in mobile health uh, news where it was talking about antibiotic antibodies and the process of developing uh, new drugs that take um you know months and months to come up with the outcomes whereas the technology in play is going to cut this to days. And it was, that was uh, exciting to actually read, but what's, what's one of the big projects that you can, uh, you can give our listeners insight into.
0: So you started uh, alluding to that, but Dr. Kashif Sadiq, he's an amazing uh, astrophysicist and uh, scientist founder who then took his skills in physics into the biology sector and developed together with his co-founders at Embo. A great uh, at EMBLE, the European Molecular Biology Labs based out of Heidelberg, Germany, they developed this amazing uh, technology that can help predict protein folding and hopefully down the road be able to design new antibodies on a computer. And that's something where they'll be able to take a process, as you mentioned, that's currently relatively long and high risk and do it at a much shorter and cheaper rate uh, and a more high highly predictable rate. Uh, but also to helpfully bring new antibodies for new diseases that don't necessarily have antibodies that can treat them at the moment. Uh, So he's building his new startup, gaining a lot of interest, uh, looks very promising. Of course, we don't do anything that's not high risk in our field because if it wasn't high risk, then you wouldn't need this whole amazing uh, venture studio behind you to help you succeed. And you could just go out there and do it yourself. Uh, so we're trying to do things that are very high risk, very rewarding. Next week we have five uh, teams of candidates that are coming through us to compete for the capability to build a new startup for AI and small molecule discovery. There's a lot of companies out there doing that. Our former partners thought that there was room uh, to do it better and to do it differently um, in that sector. So we we. We've seen some of these approaches, at least in their application. I'm very excited to get to meet the actual candidates, mm. uh, because as you, you probably know, Todd, it's not just about uh, your background and which technology you're developing. It's really at these early stages, it's all about the people and whether or not you can see the fire in their eyes, mm. and whether or not that the people that are going to be coachable and you can work with, because if you're going to provide all this experience and this uh, knowledge, you definitely want to work with people that are actually going to listen. And that's not necessarily a trait that exists in every entrepreneur out there. So we're really looking for these raw gems that are both brilliant, coachable, and have leadership capabilities, but still humble. Um, and we'll see at the end of next week, I'll be able to tell you whether or not we're able to find one.
1: Well, that's exciting. We'll make sure that you come back and you give us insights into um, the next stage of artificial intelligence, drug development outcome data, predictive modeling, um, all of that is tied into our pharmacist as that hub of healthcare that follows up with everything that the physician's putting in place so that the the monitoring of some of the most rare diseases and most debilitating diseases can become overcome faster with the technologies in play. Um, this has been a wonderful opportunity to interview you, Maddie. I want to Thank you and the Aon uh, Labs team for enabling us to share this story with our listeners. Um, and I uh, just want to give you a shout out and applause for everything that you're doing in Israel to advance, um, advance healthcare and advance um, people being better. Is it really that's what it really all, all comes down to.
0: Thank you, Todd. Uh, and it's an opportunity also to thank your listeners for everything you all do, as everyone knows Bob that's listening in. When we do well, we're doing good for humanity. So we have a privilege in that sense. And thank you all for the hard work that you do.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Matty Gill, CEO of Aeon Labs. Once again, go on to aeonlabs.com. That's A-I-O-N labs.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening.
0: Thank you.